Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome back. It is Wednesday, December 14th, 2022. How in the world is it Wednesday again? I, I'm telling you, it feels like five minutes ago that I said it's Thursday, and I told you that I wouldn't be back until Monday, but I'd be here Sunday, and well, you know the routine at this point. But it is remarkable how quickly time moves this time of the year, but I'm happy to be with you this morning. I tell you what, if the old rhyme about red sky at morning, sailor take warning is true, we're going to have a rough day. I This morning, as I was waking up, yeah, kicking around, getting ready, I happened to glance out the window because we live on the, um, the, the east side of the house here, um, or our, we live on the, our bedroom is on the east side of the house, it faces the east, and I don't genuinely I don't ever remember seeing a sky as red as I saw this morning coming up over the Blue Ridge, and it's almost gone now. But when I say it was the same color red as my shirt, I mean, it was just, uh, it was remarkable. It was so remarkable that I took a picture of it, and the picture doesn't do it justice. But um, anyway, maybe you can see that. But I mean, just red, 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 red this morning. So... To that end, yesterday I mentioned that we are having our annual Christmas dinner tonight at Old Providence. We're still planning that. Rockbridge and Augusta counties are under, under a winter weather watch. You see stuff about it all over the place, about how it's going to be freezing rain, ice accumulation. Who knows? Who knows? So what we're going to do is we're going to play it by ear. We're still full steam ahead. And if something changes or it looks difficult, then we will send out a one call and cancel but I don't anticipate doing that. I think all the models say that it would, all this stuff is going to get here after church tonight anyway. But 6.30 tonight, if you're in the area, you don't even have to cook anything. Um, if you want to, that would be great because we're doing a covered dish meal. But if not, that's okay too. Just come. We want you to be there and enjoy that time with us. We'll sing Christmas carols. We'll enjoy marvelous food. Um, I'm going to say a very few words, and I do mean that, a very few words. Um, and then we'll be done. It's just a nice, informal time of fellowship. So that's tonight at Old Providence at 6.30. You are invited. Now, let's get to our focus today. We got together uh, yesterday, and, and, and we, we really got through verse 16, Jesus comforting his disciples, right? Or the precursor to Jesus's real comfort coming to his disciples. He's promising the Holy Spirit. He tells them about what the Holy Spirit's going to do. Yesterday, we saw that the Holy Spirit is indeed the spirit of truth, not just that the Holy Spirit tells the truth, not just that he can be characterized as being truthful, but instead that the Holy Spirit is truth. Okay, and we talked about how truth has multiple functions, two main ones. Number one, the purpose of truth is to enlighten, right? To, to, to let us see that which is true, that which is false, or excuse me, false. And then the purpose of truth is to change us, right? Then you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free, right? There's all these things that come along with knowing and embracing and living by the truth. That's the primary purpose. But there is a secondary purpose. And we saw that yesterday when Jesus talked about what the Holy Spirit was coming to do with the world, namely, John 16, 8. When he comes, Jesus speaking about the Holy Spirit, right? When he comes, 
He will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment, right? And he talks about what that means. Truth, the first purpose is to change, to redeem. But the second purpose is that at the last day, at the time of ultimate judgment, truth will serve as an indictment. Truth is told as evidence to be presented as the last day as well. And that's a hard reality. It's one of those things that we really don't even want to think about, right? But it is the truth. And so Jesus makes this promise of what the Holy Spirit is doing, and he closes this by saying in verse 16, and we just scratched the surface of this yesterday. We talked about what it might mean. Today we're really getting into that. But he said in verse 16, in a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me. All right, that concept is what we're picking up with today because does it apply to the disciples specifically in time and space? Yes. Is there a principle for you and me? Absolutely. Okay, so let's pray and then we'll dig in. Our Father, please be with us now. Help us to understand your word. Help us, but before we even get there, help us to appreciate that these are the words of life and that you have loved us so much that you haven't left us wondering. Instead, you have revealed these marvelous things to us in your word. And these marvelous things point to wonderful promises. And we're, we know that you're always good to your word. So, Father, help us to live in light of that. Guide us now that we would understand. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so yesterday we ended with Jesus saying, in a little while you will see me, right? So verse 17 is where we're picking up today. John 16, 17. Remember, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. In John 16, 17, it says, some of his disciples said to one another, what does he mean by saying, in a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me, and because I am going to the Father? They kept asking, what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what he is saying. You know, it's, it, pause right there for just a second. The disciples are just a fascinating group, y'all. They're having these conversations amongst themselves. And not only this, we know elsewhere from Matthew, Mark, Luke, right, that the main argument that the disciples keep having, even in times such as this, is who's going to be first when Jesus gets his kingdom. And yes, they're thinking about an earthly kingdom, right? So Jesus, it, you know, it, it's just this remarkable thing. It's not Keystone Cops, but it does kind of hearken to that because Jesus is doing these incredible, just these things that nobody's ever seen before and his disciples are right there with him right okay so they've seen what jesus does the resurrection from the dead all of these they they've seen it but they've also seen how jesus has been interacting with people think for instance how we've seen him and john interact with the pharisees where he flat out tells them what they're about to say. He knows what's in their mind, and he repeats it to them before they can even say anything to him. John chapter 2, right? It talks about how men tried to get Jesus to, uh, to, uh, to, to entrust himself to them. John chapter 2, right at the end, it says, but Jesus knew what was in a man's heart. Okay, they know Jesus is this way, and yet they have these conversations amongst themselves. It's like they go and it's like, all right, guys, huddle up here, 
and then they start talking to each other about well, what what do you think he's meaning when he says things like this it's as if they think they can have they can have these conversations and Jesus doesn't know exactly what's going on he knows everything okay and, and it's I don't know if they forget that I don't know if they're so preoccupied I, I do not know it doesn't really matter but it's fascinating um, to see how the disciples interact with one another and with Jesus, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and it's almost as if sometimes they forget that or they don't recognize the implications of that. But that's the setup here, right? Verses 16, or excuse me, verses 17 and 18, the disciples are in this huddle and they're like, what's he talking about here? What does he mean a little while? So verse 19, Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this. So he said to them, are you asking one another what I meant when I said, in a little while you will see me no more? Then after a little while you will see me? You know, and, and then immediately, verse 20, I tell you the truth, you will weep and mourn. Paul's right there. We're, we're going to, you know, we'll come back to it. But again, Jesus does a wonderful job at both answering questions with questions and then asking a question that he knows the answer to and then just blazing forward. Right. So Jesus has revealed, guys, it's almost like he said, guys, I, I'm right here. I know what you're talking about. Are you saying these things? And then immediately he goes into the answer. Verse 20. I tell you the truth. You will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. And then he uses a metaphor. Verse 21. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So it is with you. Now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. I tell you the truth, my father will give you whatever you ask in my name. All right. Now, here's the big question. What? Oh, my goodness. Sorry. Y'all know my ADD. I don't, I don't know if you can see that out there. Is that not spectacular? And the picture doesn't do it justice. Somebody just typed something about God's beautiful artwork. Yes, Becky. Absolutely right. Anyway, back to this. Forgive my ramblings. So what is Jesus talking about here? You know, there's really two main options, right? Is he talking about the fact that he's going to be crucified, but then he's going to rise again? And then he's going to see the disciples? Because we know that after the post-resurrected Christ, right, he is going to appear to his disciples. They'll be in a room. He'll come through the wall. Right? They'll be fishing. He'll show up with them and, and, and have breakfast with them. Is that what he's talking about here? That it'll be a little while and they won't see him. And then during that time, they'll be mourning and, 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 and they'll be going through this time of grief. But then they'll see him and then they'll have joy and it'll be complete. Is he talking about that? Well, if that's all he's talking about, then this really doesn't have much to do with you and me. And I'm not trying to be terse or anything like that. But the reality is, is that if this is only about Jesus' death and then his resurrection in three days, well, then that, 
y'all, we have no frame of reference for that. It is not as though we have physically been with the Lord, traveling with him, watching him, all of these things. Yes, spiritually we are with the Lord, but I'm talking about actual physical presence, like the disciples were, eating and drinking with him and so forth. He washed their feet, all of these things. If he's just talking about his death and resurrection and then how he's going to appear to them, well, then there's really not that much for us here. But that may not be all he's talking about, right? Could it not be that instead of just talking about his death and then being in the grave and then being resurrected and then them having joy, could it not be that he's talking about the fact that not only has he told them he's going to die and be resurrected, he's also told them, remember John 14, right? John 14, excuse me, let me get to it. Beginning in verse one, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I wouldn't have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. So is Jesus talking about death and resurrection here when he says for a little while? Or is Jesus talking about that time period after he ascended into heaven before he comes back? In other words, right now. Is that what Jesus is talking about here? Well, I think the answer is yes. You know, <laughs> I think the answer is, is yes to both. Um, what he's saying here applies to both of these sets of circumstances, all right? As it relates to the disciples, I believe what he's talking about in the immediate, obviously, is the fact that he is going to die. But then he's going to rise again from the dead, and he's going to be with them. Yet also the principles that are revealed here apply to this time that we are in now between Jesus' ascension back into heaven, where Romans 8, 34, he's seated at God's right hand, interceding for us. That's what's going on now. But we know that he's coming back, and he's coming back, and he's going to judge, and he's going to take his people to be with him, that they may be where he is, to use that terminology or those words from John chapter 14. The principle applies to both of these, and especially the principle of what Jesus promises will happen after the little while has passed. The reason I say that this is first talking about his death and then subsequent resurrection is because of these promises that he gives them. Verse 22, so with you, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. On the one hand, that very much sounds like when Jesus takes us to heaven. But also, it applies to the disciples. And y'all, Jesus really reveals what's going on here. Verse 24, and how this passage ends, he says, Until now you have not asked for, everything in, or for anything in my name, and asking you will receive and your joy will be complete. Though I've been speaking figuratively, a time is coming when I will no longer use this kind of language, but will tell you plainly about my Father. In that day you will ask in my name. I am not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf. No, the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and entered the world. Now I am leaving the world and going back to the Father. So y'all, Jesus reveals the answer here, okay? 
And the answer is yes, it applies to what's going to happen in the immediate, but this language applies to the ultimate. This in a little while business about him leaving, he's not just talking about his death, he's talking about his descent or his, his ascension there, right? And these promises that Jesus has given all along about the one that's coming, the comforter, the spirit of truth, who will lead you into the truth. This is the pieces of the puzzle coming together as Jesus explains what Christianity is really all about. What Christianity is really all about, y'all, is the fact that Jesus came. He took on flesh and made his dwelling among us. He fulfilled all of the prophecy and fulfilled all of God's law. He did those things that we wouldn't do and those things that we couldn't do. And then he took the wages of sin he didn't earn in order to provide salvation for his people. And yet, it is not just salvation that is provided. It is also transformation by his Holy Spirit. And the reason Jesus is speaking in this sort of language is uh, this sort of language to his disciples is because even though he's promised the Holy Spirit is going to come, and he's promised that the Spirit will be the Spirit of truth, and they will be led in all truth, they aren't there yet. The Spirit has not yet filled them. And so as a result, they have Jesus's teachings. You have Jesus speaking in them to metaphors, using language that they don't fully understand. But in essence, what Jesus is saying is, guys, you don't get it now. But when the Spirit comes, you will. And then your joy is going to be made complete. And all of this culminates in him ascending back to the Father, but then in the fact that he will return and take them, and by extension, you, if you know Jesus, he'll take all of his people to that place where he is. And what he's doing with them right there in the immediate is he's telling them about this time that's coming when he's going to be separate from them. However, he's still going to be with them. That the spirit that he's sending will indwell them. Verse 29, then Jesus' disciples said, now you are speaking clearly and without figures of speech. Now we can see that you know all things and that you do not even need to have to ask your questions and have to do not need to have anyone ask you questions. This makes us believe that you came from God. You know, it's fascinating. All the things that they had seen, all the things that they had experienced, Jesus does to them what he's been doing all along with all these different people. And now they say this. Verse 31, you believe at last, Jesus answered. But a time is coming and has come when you will be scattered, each to his own home. You will leave me all alone, yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. Now, this specifically is what it, it, Jesus is talking about, his coming arrest his trial, his conviction, his crucifixion. He's talking about the disciples being scattered. Y'all know that the only one that's going to be there is John. We know that from the word. All the rest are going to be scattered. Judas will be dead at that point, okay? But Jesus is telling them, Jesus is promising them that it won't always be that way. Verse 33, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. 
You know what all of this can be summed up as, and, and, and admittedly, there's a lot of back and forth language here that Jesus uses. John chapter 16 is one of those chapters that cause people to say, I don't even really understand what the Bible is saying. I, I don't know what to make of this. Well, the last of the passage is what we ought to make of this. In essence, what Jesus is saying is these things are happening right now to his disciples. He's saying all of these things are happening. You still don't understand what I'm talking about. You haven't yet fully grasped what I mean when I say these things. But you will. And when the time comes, you will know what to do. You will know how to proceed because I'm not leaving you alone. And y'all, while that message is applicable to the disciples here, as Jesus talks about how he's going to be arrested and crucified and all these things, and we look back at that, we can read the story, but we weren't there. That principle still applies to you and me today. And the principle is simple. It is that we're not always going to understand what's going on. You know, I've come, the, the more I grow in my faith, the more I walk with the Lord, the more I've learned to categorize things into the Lord's business and my business. I find myself even saying that a lot more sometimes. I was having a talk with Amanda about something last night and, and about how the Lord's you know, moving things into the future and what's going to happen with America and all, all these different things. And I said, but, but that's the Lord's business, how he's going to work in the future. That's the Lord's business, what he's going to do. And that's true for us today. There are all sorts of things that fall into the Lord's business, and we're not going to know the answer. However, what is our business is the trusting component. It's the trusting part. We're never called to know the future. Never. In fact, um, you know, when Christians try to use God's word to determine dates and times and all this stuff, it ends up being folly, right? How many times when I was a kid did I hear that Mikhail Gorbachev was the Antichrist, you know, that kind of stuff. And then there's been recent stuff. Don't fall into that garbage because that's all it is. We're not given what we're given in God's word so that we'll figure out exact dates and times and all that kind of business. We're given what we're given in God's word so that we will be ready for the return of Christ. And that ultimately is the point. We're never called to know the future. We definitely will not know the answers. What we're called to do is obey and leave the consequences to God. What we're called to do is rely on the spirit that he's given to us and to live by the spirit. That's all Jesus is saying to his disciples here. You don't, he's saying, you don't get it now. I can't explain it to you now in ways that you will understand, but a time is coming when you will. So trust in me. The world is going to give you trouble, but trust in the fact that I've overcome the world. And my friends, that message is just as applicable to you and me today, December 14th, 2022, or whenever you find this. Maybe it's December 14th, 2032, for all I know, if it still exists. But the, the, the point remains the same. That our focus, our reasoning for doing what we're doing must be based on trust that even though we don't know everything that's going on or everything that's going to happen, the Lord does. And he's with you. And he's never going to leave you or forsake you. So if you know him, Cling to those things. And if you don't know them, realize what you're missing. Let me pray. 
Our Father, we thank you for this time, and we thank you for the gospel according to John and, and what is revealed there, what power, what glory, what majesty is revealed about you and your word and the promises that you make. Give us grateful hearts as we consider these things. Give us trained vision as we focus on you and remember that we're not going to know everything, but we know you and we can trust in you. For any that do not know you and are not trusting in you, please help them see what they are missing, that they would turn to you now in faithfulness. And I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I'd like to thank you all for being a part of this time. Lord willing, we will be back tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. I see we've got Elizabeth and there's Alice. Good morning. And Christine, I see. Uh, and yes, indeed, beautiful sunrise. And then there's Becky. Again, God's artwork. And then there's Jack and Patsy. That is so good. To, I, I see your... Uh, your post after the fact and, and i know you're here but you're here now and i yes prayers for our, for our outpatient procedure definitely we will be praying in fact let me pray now father i pray for jack and patsy with this procedure i pray that it would go well that recovery would be quick that there would be no issues whatsoever please watch over them and i pray it in your son's name amen and we will continue to pray keep us updated on that Again, thank you so much, everybody. Lord willing, we'll be back tomorrow morning at 7. Until then, have a wonderful Wednesday.